2: And I'm Cindy Omira, and I'll be introducing our very special guest today as um, Sue Moore works for me. And, but when we hired her, I had no idea what this amazing woman has done in her life. It's only through, you know, talking to her and listening around the office as to exactly what she's done. So in a brief, so that everybody knows what we'll be talking about, is Sue was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and she cured herself. So what I would like to do is ask Sue to tell her history. Firstly, Sue, I'd love you to talk about the time leading up to your diagnosis, uh, let's start there. Let's let's start with the time leading up to your diagnosis. What were you up to? What were you
3: doing? Where were you living? Because you're a POM. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, um, thank you, Cindy. What an awesome introduction. And I suppose, really, the time leading up to the diagnosis. So that happened back in October 2014, and I was working for an amazing not-for-profit down in Geelong, Victoria. And my life was pretty sweet, married with a husband. And I was actually training for my first marathon. And what transpired was that um, two weeks before my marathon, um, training and everything, nutrition, everything was going well, and I'd been fit all my life. And then two weeks before, I had this massive migraine, which lasted for five hours. And it left me completely numb down the right-hand side of my body. And um I actually thought maybe it was a stroke or something. As I said, I've been healthy all my life and I didn't know what to think, felt very vulnerable and scared. And to cut a very long story short, a month later, after loads of tests and blood tests and full body scan, uh, I had a visit with a neurologist and he told me that um, I had eight lesions on my brain. And um, because of that, they diagnosed MS. So at that time, my whole world fell apart as I knew it because, as I said, I've been so fit and well all my life and fit enough to run a marathon. And then I received this news, so I I couldn't comprehend it.
2: So I want to ask you, Mm -hmm. was there any signs at all in the years leading up to – because those lesions, that's a lot of lesions in the brain. Were Mm -hmm. there any signs? Was there tingling? Was there – I don't know, migraines that just would come and go for no reason. What Were there any signs at all or the first sign was that migraine?
3: Pretty much, Cindy, the the first sign was that migraine. I mean, I'd had headaches in the, in the past, but I just put it down to either stress or headaches or, uh, you know, sleep. I suppose the only thing looking back, as they say, you can only understand where you are in the wake of your boat. So looking back... I was always had very cold hands and feet, um, and, and that would be the only thing I can think of, really. Um, mm. and, and again, looking, looking back at my history, um, and it was only through uh, working with you, Cindy, and the amazing documentary What's With Wheat that when I saw that documentary, I literally cried because um, in there there was a section that talks about your family history, And my grandma had rheumatoid arthritis. My mum had rheumatoid arthritis. And my sister, at the age of 18, she was diagnosed with um, diabetes. And it was only then that I put the pieces together about, holy crap, we've got a family of autoimmune disease. And nobody had ever told us that it was all related.
2: Oh my goodness. Uh, that, mm. you know, when we look at our family history and we, we start to see that, and you did, it was that type one diabetes that your sister had. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so you had three autoimmune diseases. Mm -hmm. So you had the genetics, which is what they say about autoimmune diseases is that, number one, it's genetics. Number two, it's environment. And number three, it's your gut integrity and whether it's keeping out the toxins or not. So, yeah, you had that history and um, that, yeah... I, you know, I think it is a revelation when we start to realise that and we can't continue to do what we're doing. Otherwise, we'll get the same results as our grandmother, our mother, our sisters, our aunts or, or whatever else. So it's a really good wake-up call. So yeah, when, totally. you were given, when you were given that diagnosis, uh, tell us how you felt. You know, what did you do? Um, what was your first thoughts? Just go through what that does to just crush your whole
3: world. Did you end up doing the marathon in the end? oh yes i um <laughs> <laughs> i come to that my when I received that diagnosis, my whole world literally f- fell apart I mean it sounds like a Hollywood movie, but it was really like one of those sliding door moments when I was you know in the surgery with a neurologist and he had the perfect bedside manner he was just gorgeous and he was so touching and saying telling me the news and then i must have my face probably drained of color as the the realization was sinking in and then i remembered he was he pushed a box of kleenex tissues towards me and i thought i don't need that i don't need that i'm i'm british i don't cry and and then and then it just suddenly hit me like this wall of tears that i just i just lost the plot completely i was crying and luckily my husband was in there and he was he just took over as this almost like caretaker role asking the questions and and finding out a bit more about it but we we asked about you know is there anything we can can we do and he said well actually it's incurable you know there are uh, recommended drugs but um It's, we don't know enough about MS at the moment that we can prescribe drugs to help with the symptoms. But this was a clincher for me, and I always remember these words. He said, we can recommend drugs to help the symptoms, to help you potentially uh, preventing you having an attack in the future, but we also don't know if you will have an attack. So in my mind, it just totally didn't make sense i thought why would i take a drug with huge side effects that might work that might not work it just felt like playing russian roulette to me and i just thought no i I'm, I'm not doing this i'm i'm this is my wake up call i'm listening to my body and i'm going to find another way forward yeah
2: so, so yeah, you, not many people do that. Sorry, go on.
3: So, were you
0: um, always healthy as a child, and and always, you know, of good health and obviously fit and all of those sorts of things? And apart from the rheumatoid arthritis, was and um, any was it was there anything else leading up to that moment that could have alerted you to the fact that you were prone to something like this, or was it just a complete sideswiping shock?
3: Oh, totally, Kim. It was completely side-swiping shock. I've been so fit and well all all my life. Even living in the UK, I would rarely take a day off work for a cold or flu. And I can probably – I've actually physically been in hospital probably once, and that was probably one, maybe two nights um, stay over in hospital, and that was when I was a teenager and had my wisdom teeth out back in the UK. And that was it. That's all I can say um, you know, from surgeries or whatever. So, absolutely f- fit and well. So, for me being at my fittest to be able to be fit and well enough to run a marathon, and then this, it felt as if my whole world was, um, the carpet was pulled, pulled out from me. That's, that's what it felt like. Yeah. yeah.
0: And how did you um, bring that sense of calm around how you then move forward with it? Because I, I know you just said you watched What's With Wheat, but can you tell us the process or what journey you went on when you decided I can't take those drugs? What, like, I mean, some people just think that that's the only option. What mm. had you think that there was another way? And then what did you do?
3: Yeah, great question. Um I think for me I've always been interested in personal development so and the and the power of um human potential. So I'd al- always fascinated about people's journeys and stories when they, you know, overcame something. If somebody had, you know, um, massive tumors and then miraculously they disappeared in their body. I was just fascinated with how that could how that could happen. So I think with people like that and being surrounded by that type of possibility, it was almost like um, when the four-minute mile was broken, it was a case of beforehand. Nobody thought it was possible, but as soon as it was broken, it gave people hope and belief that, that they too could do it. So I kind of thought in myself, okay, well, on some levels or all of levels, I take full responsibility that my body created this, so I just have to learn how to uncreate it. So I really did um, research on Google. Um, I call it Dr. Google. <laughs> I'm just looking for a second or third opinions as to what else I could do, how else could I take control of this and actually, you know, work with it. So a lot of people were telling me uh, I'm always one of those people to listen to messages and if I hear something, you know, once or twice or even three times, then definitely I've got to take action. And one of those was a referral for Dr. Terry Wolves and the Wolves Protocol, who also is a, another lovely lady that features in What's With Wheat. So I uh, had a look at her TED talk and I thought she was an amazing lady who'd also recovered from MS and that was through diet. So I thought, okay, so that's proof that it's possible. And then uh, another research that I did, I found um, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza and he talked about his journey to recovery through meditation. So basically I combined those two elements and that was almost my, my my inner pill, if it's like a pill, but my inner healing as to how Sue could do it. And it's almost like, well, everyone's different, but that's how I was going to recover on my own terms. Does that answer your question? That's kind of how it all worked.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I think, think, Sue, that's a really beautiful holistic approach, you know, and I think that just listening to you and what you've been through and the way that you came to terms with if your body created it, you can uncreate it. Mm. I think a lot of, you know, when people go through a diagnosis like yours, it's Mm -hmm. very easy to – you know become a victim of the circumstances and justifiably so by the way you know I mean it's comes from out of the blue strikes a person as complete shock and you know for the most part to get to where you got to that the body created it therefore you can uncreate it I mean that you know that potentially could be a whole bunch of years worth of inner work before a person even reaches that comprehension or that understanding that they mm. can participate in their own healing. I'm curious to find out what what was it that gave you access to that way of considering this experience versus, holy crap, my life is reaching an end, let me start planning or holy crap, you know um worries me i can 't believe this has happened what, mm. what was the difference that made the difference there for you uh
3: interesting i think I, I think um an inner burning desire inside of me that that wasn't how I had wanted my life to trans transpire because my initial understanding of m s was and I was completely ignorant until I received the diagnosis, but my understanding was that you fit and well. You receive a diagnosis, then you're in a wheelchair, and then you're dead. And that wasn't, I think, that wasn't the path that I had planned for myself. I mean, I've only recently just turned 50, so have you know decades and decades of years and things that I want to do. So I think it was a burning desire and a passion that I'm I'm too early to die. And that's not how I'd mapped out my life. So with that, with that belief and that intention, it was a case of okay, so how are we actually going to deal with this on a on a day to day basis and and you you know there was a lot of pain and hurt and rocking in fetal positions on the floor and crying and you know and I think it's just coming out the other side and realizing that um it sounds I, I don't know if it sounds quite spiritual but it almost as if it was my wake up call to think, okay well, you know. To, to look at it rather than as a victim, but actually as a message and a, as and as a gift that wow, if I can actually overcome this or heal myself from this or just to work with it and understand what the deeper message in my body is, what else can I do um, and so and and also I'm so identified with being a runner that because uh, the after I woke up from the from the migraine it left me completely numb down the right hand side of my body as I said and I couldn't even feel my foot so to be that close to running your marathon and all the training I didn't want it to go to waste so there was a massive burning desire in me to be able to run again I just thought you can do anything to me <laughs> but like you know just let me run again so a- again I think you've got to pull on On your your inner being and your burning desire that there's always there's always more to give there's always more in life and I was just found the power within to tap into that.
1: I think that's just absolutely profound. You know, I've, I've yeah, I always love to I love to hear a story where you know there's that whole mind body connection in the healing process because I think to to. To think that we can heal it one way, I think it's, you know, it, 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 I'm sure it can work, but I feel like it would be. It, it's a much more congruent um, combined acknowledgement that the experience has a purpose. Let's find the greater purpose. Let's work towards the greater purpose. Let's, let's you know, see what the message is behind the illness or what the body is trying to communicate so that then, you know, when we do have that multi-pronged, approach there's um a greater transcendence that becomes possible because of an illness as opposed to simply a recovery and i get very excited to hear what what you're saying so
3: what where are you at now with all of this um i'm I'm really fantastic now as as Cindy will vouch for um, <laughs> definitely so, <laughs> so so really to take you back so received the diagnosis in two thousand and fourteen and looked at everything everything holistically, so the journey from there up until now um, really I looked at my diet and it was pretty clean anyway, obviously you know running a marathon i you know i I did look at what the trainers say and you know carving up but realizing again looking at my body as to looking at it as fuel and nutrition as fuel and what the body needs so I became as I said before I I went through uh, Dr. Terry Wall's protocol which is really mainly mainly paleo so meat and a lot of vegetables um, cut out all sugar or dairy and all gluten and started to feel better almost instantly. I was absolutely amazed just by those three core elements of my diet, how rapidly I improved my I didn't have any mood swings i I slept better um, I felt fitter. The sensation in my um leg came back. Um, I took regular kinesiology sessions, so that helped with the trapped emotions in my body that I I didn't even realize I had, but subconsciously I was able to get rid of those. And another big part, I mentioned Dr. Joe Dispenza, I started doing his uh, morning meditations. I started introducing daily meditation into my life. And what, what I would do in those meditations is very clearly and visualized In nine months' time, um, my catch-up appointment with my neurologist and in my mind's eye every single day I over and over again went over this scene and the scene was I was in the neurologist's office and we were looking at his computer screen and on the left-hand side was my brain with dots, covered in dots, and they were the lesions. And then on the right-hand side was a scan of the brain with no lesions on. And I feel like visualise that every single day and how I'd feel with the neurologist saying that news. And what transpired, that actually did transpire like nine months, almost nine months to the day when I went back to neurologist's office and he said, Sue, out of the eight lesions that you had, most of them have completely disappeared and only the few that remain have significantly diminished and that was through no medical intervention. So... Yeah, so I was blown away how powerful that visualisation actually was. See, so I, I just, did he ask you, how the hell did you
2: do that? Did he ask you that? <laughs> did, he, did he say it's a miracle? You know, how did you do that? Was he curious even?
3: Look, he, he yes, he was. He asked me, mm. you know, like how what, what have you done? And I said, well, look, you know, I actually did run the marathon. I had to retrain my body uh back to fill fill the ground under my foot, and it was almost like you know running again, like a piston. That's how I was able to throw my right leg forward and to learn to run again from scratch and build up. Mm. And yes, I did finish the marathon. But when he um. Hey, I, I just said, basically, I, you know, meditating daily, I'm eating well, i have cutting out gluten, dairy and sugar, I'm having regular kinesiology sessions. And he said, well, you know, clearly it's working, so carry on with that. But he also was quite cautious. He said that some people do have, you know, recovery or, you know, the inflammation does reduce so we still have to keep an eye on you. So he was quite cautious. But on my second appointment, another checkup, um, I asked him because I, I wanted to know, I wanted him to say the words, and he said he hadn't seen anyone have that sort of um, recovery, if that's the right word, without medication.
2: Even the lesions? Like I I have never known. Um, MS lesions to disappear on drugs, maybe symptoms, but mm. not the lesions. So, did he even say that with medication, we will, we would see a significant reduction in the lesions on the brain?
3: Yeah, he said he said only one person that he's seen um, on using medication where they completely <laughs> disappeared.
2: Yeah. Huh. Okay. So, mm. obviously, using an anti-inflammatory, maybe, and that deflated mm. the, you know. Like took the fire out of the brain, and that was able to do it. But only mm. one. That's
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, you you should be so proud of what you've done. Oh, you know thank that. You. Well, it takes commitment, Sue. Mm. That you know, mm. that's commitment to meditate every day, to to visualize what you saw, uh, to do the diet. To do everything that you did, it really takes commitment. And one of the things um, that I was, I was just trying to find it then on my, my photos is that um, Gary Fedke, who's an orthopedic surgeon in Tasmania, put on his um, Instagram page recently. He said, most of my patients don't need a pill. They need a lifestyle change. Hmm. And whether that lifestyle is about, let's look at the diet, are you moving, how many chemicals you're doing, or whether that lifestyle also means the lifestyle you're having in your head. Because so many people have so many negative thoughts about who they are. And, you know, Joe Dispenza, I've been watching him since What's the Bleep? What the Bleep, Mm. which I think came out in 2006. And he was my favorite um, expert on that documentary. Do you want to explain what it was like to go to one of his progressive um, weekends. Do you want to explain mm. what that's like? I so want to go to
3: one. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I
0: so oh, to you go. must,
3: you must. Oh, oh. If I could sell tickets here, I would. I just think he's he's just an amazing, amazing, amazing teacher. I just want um, you to know that Cindy pokes me whenever
0: we're together. She We listen to the <laughs> meditations and honestly, I love her. I still listen to them to this day. I love them every night. I can't wait to listen to
2: them. Yeah, You know, Sue, you know, so how he he does, now poke the person beside you, you know, you know how he <laughs> says that all the time? Well, yeah. I've been listening to, I've been listening to the whole weekend because I'm going, as you know, yeah, to the progressive. Yeah, yeah. I'm going in um, June, mid-June. Yeah. and And so I'd be listening to it and Kim would be beside me or near me or even if she wasn't, I would still poke her by the phone. And when he says, <laughs> now poke the person beside you, I'd poke her.
3: <laughs> or i just get a text that says poke. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, she's listening to Dr. Joe again. That's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, his, his courses are amazing and I think it's all full of – you, you know, normal everyday people doing extraordinary things. I think that's the beauty of it. It's so down to earth that anyone can do it. And it's quite, in, you know, inspiring. And, and everyone's on their own own journey with it. And I think when I did the uh, – it was in the nine-month time period um, that I actually did a, two of his courses. And on the second one, he actually talks about, you know, if you do have – Uh, either an illness or something in your body you know like visualizing wholeness and completeness and I almost had an epiphany in one of his in that in that nine month period where I actually felt completely detached from the inverted commas the disease or MS I never really identified with I have MS as if it's like a little baggage that you carry around like I am this I never identified with that I almost thought thought of it in my mind and my heart as if it was just passing through me and it would teach me whatever I needed to teach so in the meditations I got to a point where my body just it's hard to explain apart from my body just felt whole and I felt complete and oneness in that moment and in a whole three days that I knew then that I was healed but I also it's almost I didn't need validation but I also wanted the neurologist to say what he said to me and actually see the scans before and after for proof in a photo because otherwise I, I couldn't explain to anyone, a layperson, how I felt in my body but I actually felt it that I was healed, yeah.
2: Were you scared before you went for your nine-month checkup? Were you like going, what if it didn't work? What, you know did you have that fear at all like, or were you like you'd already been through it for nine months every single day, twice a day, you'd meditated it, and there was just no fear whatsoever
3: yeah, um absolutely, Cindy, I was actually quite excited. it sounds really oh. sick, but <laughs> it sounds probably <laughs> really sick, but I was actually quite excited, like you know, like a kid in a candy shop actually wanting to hear the news um mm. And 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 I remember I remember being there in the scene, and it actually trans. I mean, it wasn't like you know completely. There was still, you know, a couple that were there, which which you know he said, but they'd shrunk so much. But it was almost it was almost like a bit like deja vu in my mind. I was mm. and heart, I was well, I've already been here, and I remember Rod, my husband, he was, you know, digging me in the ribs. He goes, oh, that's fantastic news, and it's almost like. <laughs> No, not in a cocky way, but I almost felt, yeah, I know. I, I know. And he's just telling me what I, confirmation of what I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Very exciting. I,
2: oh, yeah. I, I'd love to just tell a little story here. So when my, uh, my sister passed away, um, she left quite a bit of money to a son that she gave up for adoption. Uh, you know, 30 something years before. So my brother and I had to find this boy and um, through a solicitor, we told him that this is what had happened. And after we'd settled the estate and paid him out, which was quite a few years after my sister died, he contacted us and asked to meet us. And as soon as I got the letter that he was going to, wanted to meet us, I started to cry. And I thought, I cannot meet this Person and then cry straight away. So what I did every single day, I would imagine meeting him, and and you know be happy and joyful and excited to see him, but not a tear in sight. And so when the night came, I'll never forget it. When the night came and my brother and I uh, met him, um, I remember meeting him in Peran in Melbourne. I you know I said hi and I gave him a hug and. I was happy and I not a tear in sight my brother lost it oh. <laughs> completely absolutely <laughs> cried his eyes out it was and I thought you know <laughs> he obviously hadn't planned for this <laughs> oh gold I can just see Marcus oh, yeah oh he lost it completely and I'm thinking and I didn't lose it once that night I just I was so happy and I I had trained. That's what it is. I trained for that moment. Mm. Uh, in my mind side. I had imagined every every time I imagined that happiness and that contentment and not a tear in sight. Yeah. So yeah. it's um it's remarkable. And and Karen Smith is our absolute <laughs> brain girl. She knows um all about this. She just um she's been very quiet back there, Miss Karen. <laughs>
1: Oh, I've got to be honest, I'm sitting here in awe almost, you know. I I really feel like, you know, there's so much more available to us when we can look at things from a very holistic point of view of mind-body-soul connection, universal spirit, transcendence. You know, if we can look at it from the whole gamut, I think that there's so much more that becomes available to the expansion of the human. And, you know, the brain is one of the most incredible pieces of equipment that, is so complex. Um, it's actually the most complex piece of machinery on the face of the planet, and the beautiful part about it is that it lives in and heat, and um, to be able to investigate and and work with it, I think is is you know probably one of the most important things we can do. And then to master it, I think is one of the most important things. But I think with what you're talking about there, Cindy, is the brain you know, doesn't actually know the difference between what's real and what's imagined. So when you imagine, and like you were saying, Sue, you imagine the the outcome, the brain doesn't know the difference between that being an imagined visualization and it actually being reality. So when you do that work, when you do those meditations or those visualizations, you're actually setting the brain to work for you, you know, and for the most part, most of us, the brain thinks us. And, you know, what happens internally is very driven by an unconscious set of rules, I guess, that the brain sets up as time goes on. But because we're not conscious of it, you know, it kind of wreaks havoc in the body and it has its way with us when it's not directed thought. But what, you know, and as I say, I think I was just sitting here in total awe because I love when we direct the brain to think on our behalf in a way that, Transforms life's experience that heals the body, that then sets an example that this is possible for every other human being. Um, I, I get really, really excited about it. And I feel very um, honored to even just be in this conversation with you, Sue. I think it's, um, I think for everybody that's listening to this podcast today, I think that there's a real gift to be gotten from this in that it's not just about. Um, meditation and mindset it's not just about exercise it's not just about food all of it together creates the most powerful resource that is available to us and it's not woohoo stuff it's the only thing that is actually real and it's be able to combine all fronts that gives us the um, purpose in whatever the affliction is because everything comes with a purpose. Nothing is a mistake. And I think that um, yeah, anyway, I'm just kind of rambling now. I'm just I no,
3: it's brilliant,
1: Karen. Something, I, really I think it's really something special.
3: Mm. Mm. I, I totally agree, Karen, <laughs> and I think when you when you were talking about the visualizations, um, it's it's the power and the energy and the emotion behind that. So I just I just felt so much gratitude of and happiness of actually, you know, having already achieved that. And I think that when I have done visualization in the past and also now, if I don't have the feeling along with that attention, um, it doesn't work. Put simply, um, for, for me personally, it doesn't work. I have to have the combined you know, very clear intention of what I want to achieve, you know, as I said, a complete bill of health. But also with that is the overriding emotion of the gratitude, of the happiness um, that fuels. It's amazing when the two come together, it's almost, they intertwine, And I think that's the power and the passion that can, um, of creation can come a lot quicker. It's very exciting.
0: So can
3: has well, ask magic
1: been- you- so, sorry, darling. I was
2: just about <laughs> to jump in, too.
1: <laughs> go, you girl. No, I'm done. I'm done. You <laughs> uh,
2: no, uh, Kim, you put up on um, the Up For A Chat Facebook page the difference between happiness and fun. And um, one of the things Sue has said, you know, she had this absolute feeling of happiness. And many of us believe that, and this is what this um, basically this Little bit of a video, and it, it was absolutely brilliant. Kim, um, this video said that we go out and we get drunk, or we do drugs, and we go to a party, and we go to a nightclub, and we go out and we have fun. But he says that's not happiness. Happiness is that inner contentment, that inner peace, that um, that feeling of absolute joy that surrounds us, and. I would assume, Sue, you hit that.
3: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it's interesting because um, I've heard the phrase before to have tears of gratitude, and I, I never really, I never really understood it. And it was almost interesting in the, uh, you know, as I said, I did the meditations daily, but not every day was, wow, I'm so excited and and you know, I feel so grateful. Some actually felt as if I was just going through the motions, but I mm. think the difference was maybe if you um looking at the universal spirit, I was actually showing up every single day, and I was doing the best that I could on that day. but the difference was i I showed up every day um and and i think I think that's where the where the power lies really is is your commitment to it
2: and are you still showing up every single day you do you still do your meditations you're still strict on your diet or can you um not show up completely every day is that the question <laughs> you're <trying to> ask? <laughs>
3: can we have a little bit of a holiday oh, oh you're so good at have a holiday oh my god I do I do all the time that's funny um yeah absolutely I'd say I I just I, I just um I, I love I love the meditation and, and again, some, some days are brilliant. I have some complete wacky out-of-body experiences and others it's on the full spectrum of quite humdrum as if, right, okay, I've done that tick meditation. So it's on the full spectrum. Diet I found with me, I found a happy place. I'm not completely very strict wars protocol um, book. I kind of did it to start almost – um, to give myself a kickstart, and now I've found the happy be- medium of what Sue and her body needs. But quite interestingly, that if I—I am not know if it's falling off the wagon, but say for example, if I'm at a, a um, at a drink or, or function with the fried normal party food, and if I hadn't prepared or eaten beforehand, and I had some of that food which is highly fried. Um, I would almost feel it in my body within two, three hours. So it's almost a case for choice. Well, do you want the inverted commas a quick fix or do you really want to like sustain yourself for the rest of your life? And, and, you know, last night I went out for a friend that was uh, leaving Sunshine Coast and she was going down to Sydney. So we went out for cocktails and wine. And so this morning I woke up and, you know, I could feel it in my body, but because I'm overall quite healthy and clean diet, um, it was almost hard to describe it, just flushed out. So yeah, I think I, I think I just find the happy place within me and think of food and as fueling me, yeah, rather than comfort eating, which I did in the past. Mm.
2: Could you just tell us the meditations? How long they go for? Is it yeah, you know, I think it was twice a day that you said, so can, can you just tell us is it um, is it Joe doing it? Do you do it by yourself? Can you explain the meditation you did?
3: yeah, so the very first one that I did, it went for a very long time, and I thought, good grief, I was one of those people um you know at a yoga class or when i did meditation in in the past that i was always fidgeting and i thought could how on earth am i meant to sit still for an hour to an hour and a quarter an hour and 15 minutes but um again i persisted and and i just found that inner peace as dr joe says and and you would know cindy the space between the space and I just imagined that I was in the black hole, um, you know, in (laughs) in the night sky surrounded by all these stars. So that was kind of my go-to place. If my monkey mind got in the way and started thinking, oh, so, you know, you've got to do this and you've got to prepare this and it learn your whole to-do list, um, I would just say, okay, all right, well, that's nice. Now I'm going to go back into the space. So, Mm. uh, yeah, but he's got a is So they go for about an hour um, or he's got some shorter ones which are about 20 minutes. So it's very mm. versatile, but it's always guided by him.
2: Yeah, and I love the way he does it, the space between your <laughs> eyes in space. And so I spend the whole time in that first 10 minutes going, okay, where's where's my eyes in space? You know, I, I this is what I do. I go through this crazy thing. But I think, Karen, what you'll love is that it says – now i want you to be no thing nowhere nobody um no, what are they no Sue? time um, no, no time. time yeah no no ones. Oh,
3: it's just i think I, yeah what is that?
2: it he no, goes through those whole things and you just like go okay hey, how do i become that it it's, i actually ask him questions in my brain <laughs> go, All right, how am i meant to do that you know <laughs> yeah So, so
0: oh, i mean the the, the the meditations and the mindset of it is is definitely a big chunk of it and everything but when you said you decided to go paleo um i'm just curious to know even from a mindset point of view a lot of people want to go paleo or to at least eradicate sugar or to stop doing what they're obviously doing, which is contributing to perhaps um, a negative um, expression in the body. What exactly did you do and how did you take the mindset to do it if you had been eating a certain way? I'm just trying to picture people that eat carbs and eat sugar and maybe even don't realize how much sugar they're eating even in healthy foods. How did you mm. really become aware of what that looked like without just all the noise that's out there of what we think it should be? Could you explain mm. to us how you went into that process?
3: Yeah, absolutely. um well, back in the day, <laughs> I was a complete chocoholic, so I would easily get home from work and pile and eat uh you know a whole packet of chocolate chip cookies as well as my husband and I would sit on a Friday night and eat a whole family-sized bar of chocolate between the two of us. So quite highly addicted to sugar. Um, So from going from that to where I am now, the transition for me was, uh, again, it was mindset. I really had to, when I went to cafes, initially when I looked at the menu, It was almost a case of, well, I can't have that, I can't have that, I can't have that, I can't have that. And the further I went down the list, uh, from a mindset point of view, I just went into victim mode. I thought, well, this is horrid. I might as well just stay at home and not go out with my friends because I can't eat anything. And then I turned it into, for me, it has to be fun. So I ha- I turned it into a game as to, okay, well, what can I eat? So it's almost turning it into a fun game, like a kid Well, you know, look for an item on the menu that you can eat and you can enjoy. Um, so that was one tactic I had. And then I also, um, got back into the kitchen. Um, I, f- I just followed, you know, nice recipes and I just thought, okay, well, if these are the ingredients I'm gonna cook with tonight, let's see what I can conjure up that's gonna be exciting and fun and just tested all the recipes on my husband. <laughs> and um, so that was one aspect I did and just again in the mindset of well I, I just wanted my body so much to be so fit and well and healthy again, I thought I've I've got to give it the best chance and look for there's I from the belief that there's always another way that there's always an alternative so I was in the camp of oh my god well if I can't have toast what can I eat so it became in my mind a little game okay so what are the other alternatives for toast and what can I create in the kitchen um, that could be a lot more nourishing for me and would still give me enough fuel um, for my training for a marathon. So another thing, I was actually tested for rice um, during a kinesiology session and rice was okay for my body. So that was something that I incorporated into my diet um, just before a long run. I would always have um, you know, rice and um, uh, mince, say, for example. So that would be my go-to um, fuel for a long run. Yeah, so that was a kind of transition in the food.
0: Um, okay, so just tell me, was there any sweet treats whatsoever? I mean, just come on, you've got to give us something.
3: <laughs> um, I I still do now have sweet treats, but one of the ones in, and I have to share the recipe with with you girls and, and pop it up on the up for the chat. It was my go to sweet thing in uh, Dr. Terry Wolfe's book she had i think it was called wall's fudge and it was literally walnuts raisins coconut oil and and uh, uh cocoa um so so chocolate melts um and avocado and mixing that all up in a food processor and then putting it in the fridge to set that was my go-to Yum. sweet Yes, please. It was so delicious. Yeah. <laughs> I, have to, I have to make some for you girls. It was so yes, yummy. Please. Well, actually, and we, we and, won't
0: put this to air we until promise? we do get some. So I'm just
2: <laughs> So but our can
0: listeners, we, you'll, can we you'll know we've had recipe?
1: Some.
2: <laughs> <laughs> But can we promise that recipe? So let's put it up um, with the show notes. So, you, yeah, just send them to me and I'll make sure they go up on the show notes. I would absolutely love that. That would be wonderful. Yeah, I, we'll I, do. I have to tell you something. I've just been um, in Torquay and I've been with a gentleman by the name of Mark Drill and his wife, Nicole, and they have hillbilby uh, Fire Tonic. They own Hillbilby Fire Tonic. They are the most amazing couple. Anyway, you go into their house and it's this um, – they've got ferments everywhere because that's what Fire Tonic is. It's a ferment. Uh, and anyway, they've got, fa- they've got ferments everywhere. Anyway, they left me with, and I just want you to know what I've been munching on while we've been talking. Mm. They left me with black garlic. They said, here, Cindy, like I tried some and I said, oh my gosh, this is like chocolate. It's like, it's like something sweet. And so they gave me a whole bowl of black garlic, which I've managed to absolutely devour while we've been talking. <laughs> I, I feel for anybody who's going to be near me in the next uh, hour or so. Why, why does that what not a, surprise me? Why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I had no idea. Like what he does is he puts it in a rice cooker, a bulb of garlic, and he, he puts it on warm um, and, he, and he makes sure that it's above the, um, the heating element. And he, he just heats it for 18 days until it's black um, and it's not burnt, it's caramelised and um, it's the sweetest thing I've ever tasted. <laughs> so I'm wondering, could we put black garlic with avocado and cacao melts? What do you think, girls?
1: Oh, uh,
0: I actually think you're, you're obviously a and you're feeling very hungry. I can sense it. Just do it. <laughs>
3: Just do it. have <laughs>
0: <laughs> sounds amazing but it's like it's, it's probably like doing you know peanut butter and jam or something like that savory with a sweet
2: it's probably divine yeah it, it's actually it's like you know when you caramelize an onion how, how sweet it can be but you've got to add sugar to it just to do that bit of a caramelization or butter with a tiny little bit of sugar well this is no oil no nothing just 18 days on warm in the rice cooker mm. just, yeah i know i was in shock i went how did you make this? How did you do that? What, uh, what honey did you put to that? <laughs> That's how I was. <laughs> yeah. 18 days. Yeah. you oh, Yeah, well, I've just gone through a whole lot and it's going to be another 18 days until I, well, I'm going to have to get home and put it in <laughs> mm-hmm. for 18 days. We might have to do it at the office, soon yeah I reckon hey, we have so, to do it in
0: stages so tell yeah. us have you am I right in hearing that you've written a book and that and, and tell us what you do now and what you're doing at Cindy's and give us any mm-hmm. details as to how people can find out more about you
3: mm. So at changing habits um I work in the marketing department uh, so it's so on a cross of a number of projects very very busy very exciting. And the book that I've written is up on Amazon and it really started off as uh, running my training log and then it went in, it was documented uh, about my diagnosis and uh, what I did to recover after that and then running and completing the Gold Coast Marathon. Um, So that book is called Just Another 5K, so 5 and then KM. Um, and my website, I'm, I really now, as well as working with Changing Habits, really want to help other people find a way that they can heal themselves from the inside out um, using their mind, body and spirit working together. So my website is InsideOutInt, so I-N-T dot com. And the book is available on there or you can get it at Amazon.
2: Sounds absolutely
3: wonderful.
0: And Sue, can you so tell can us what's your family? Oh, sorry, Cindy, sorry. No, I just no, wanted okay, to know a little bit more about you as a person and socializing and friends and family and what's it like being out in Australia now? Like, where are you at with your own self health and wealth um, right here and now?
3: Yeah, great question. Um, I love it up here in the Sunshine Coast. That was one of the uh, the things in my healing. Um, that I just had this vision that I just needed to get to Queensland and get out of the horrid Victorian uh, winter. So how I convinced my husband that that's what I was going to do and leave him behind (laughs) for three to six months and move up to the Sunshine Coast on my own for the winter. And then we, you know, he came up, we moved up, we sold our house down in Geelong. We live in the Sunshine Coast and absolutely love it. we Love the warm weather up here. Um, don't have any family here. I have have a sister back in the UK. And, um, yeah, life's really good.
0: I love it. And you've done a great job and getting Cindy and her voice and What's With Wheat and all of the things out there mm. has been phenomenal. You've done a beautiful job and love your gentle mm. nature. Um, I just would love for everyone to know, um, apart from... Right? <laughs> Maybe you need to let all the English people know how to come and live. I'm sure, do you, have you guys noticed how many people always email us and say we want to live on the Sunshine Coast? <laughs> so yeah. many people come here. Um, what What tips would you give to people who have just been diagnosed with something or told they have perhaps MS or some other autoimmune disease? What would be the, the top five steps or three steps that you'd recommend people to take action with? What's your take home? What's you go away with?
3: Mm, uh... I think I think for me I would suggest that ev- everyone is different and almost to not take always go for a second opinion if not a third opinion um research everything and research um you know the condition of the medication uh, because medications are okay for some people it's it's like on a personal journey also look at the alternatives that are available as well and look for proof of of them working um and also learn the two the tools to develop to tap into your own mind body spirit connection and look at the uh diagnosis or the disease or illness or any trauma or stress in your life as a sign as as, as a teaching and look within that and say okay well if this was a biggest gift to me right now what would that be what can I learn from this and then yeah that that would be my my takeaway to share with others amazing Sue it's
2: like it's it's amazing I have worked with you for quite a while now and it's so nice to just have an hour with you without the craziness of changing habits and you know and we're always talking work to just really get to understand where you've been, what you've been through. And I don't know if, no, I think it's who you've become. I don't know what you were before because I didn't know you then, but um, I look at who you've become in the process of having these challenges in your life. And, and a lot of people see a disease as something, um, you know, that is the end. There's there's no mm-hmm. hope for them, but you actually saw it as a wake up call to mm-hmm. change mind body spirit. So congratulations, I'm I'm very flattered that I that you're in my team and um, oh. that you do you're doing such an amazing job not only at changing habits but to the rest of the world as well. And I know how committed you are because you know I've I've seen what you've done when you've been asked to do a talk and where you were meant to be working, while well, you were working with me and then that night you zipped away and then came back again. So I know your mm. commitment to getting this word out there and I applaud you and I thank you.
3: Thank you. Uh, I just sort of one last thing, another. If there was a bonus tip, some people say in life or any challenge that it's impossible, but if you break down the word impossible, it's I'm possible. Mm. so it's just to reframe that Mm. yeah love it Mm. i
1: think i think sue this has been a fantastic podcast and cindy thank you so much for bringing her to our attention it's all very (laughs) very um it's all perfect timing and everything is always perfect timing so no doubt we're going to have listeners who are paying attention to the show who are snapping fingers, going, "Oh, this is for me!" So, Sue, so thank you so much for um, bringing beautiful story and enlightenment and journey to the forefront and sharing it with with all of us. And I know that there's going to be some serious life change, lives changed as a result of um, not only what you shared but I guess I always like to think that you know our experiences happen on behalf of mankind and our ability to share them with each other means that it's not just us that benefits from the transformation it's the whole world and we've kind of take one for the team so thank you beautiful soul for being so open and sharing your ride with us and letting us ride on your coattails
3: oh, my pleasure thank you for inviting
1: me anytime anytime so for all of our listeners those of you guys who have felt completely inspired and moved by today's podcast go to our website our our facebook page at all the w's.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat you can also post your comments and your questions at all the the w's.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat now join us here next week on up for a chat and become part of the ripple effect that is changing the world and we are doing it one by one with absolute awesomeness Join us and become part of that ride, and we're going to see you along the way. Big hugs coming your way. Bye, everybody. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter, The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives